Peace be upon you. So consider the last time you were on a plane. And as the plane's going, you're probably watching a movie. Maybe you're about to doze off, listening to a podcast, whatever. And then in an instant, there's a slight bit of turbulence. And all of a sudden, your heart skips a beat. And the question is, what changed during that duration? That one moment, you're at complete peace. And the next moment, you know, you're in this uh, like a uh, moment of panic. And obviously, yeah, there's turbulence, but turbulence happens all the time. Is there reason to, 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 to panic over that? What changed was that at that moment, it became apparent just how vulnerable we are. Traveling in this metal container with wings 30,000 feet up in the, in the air, you know, something that seems unimaginable for the generations of the past, that we just realize how little control we have, that in an instant, everything could just completely come plummeting down. And it's this element of vulnerability that really gets us. And this isn't a trope to say that, oh, you know, uh, when someone hits hard times, then they believe in God, which is a fact. But it's to show that, you know, we go spend most our day not uh, aware that at any given time, things can utterly <laughs> go into disarray. But it's really a blessing that we don't live in this sheer panic continuously. Because consider that just standing on what appears to be solid ground, this earth is rotating at about 1,000 miles per hour on its axis. It rotates around a violent fireball that is 1 million times larger than our planet. Uh, and it's traveling at 67,000 miles per hour around the sun. That the sun itself is hurling through the Milky Way galaxy, and we're chasing it at roughly 483,000 miles per hour. And not once do we stop and think like, oh my God, we hit some turbulence, or you know, what's ahead of us? And we're living in complete peace and comfort, not even realizing we're on this miraculous ride. And it's not to say that, you know, we should be terrified and living in a state of panic, but we have a choice when we contemplate these things, that we can either be willfully ignorant and just, you know, stick our heads in the sand and be in the dark, or we can be at absolute awe of the creation of God, that he has everything in control. Because at these moments of turmoil, do we just realize how little control we have in what happens the outcomes, the circumstances. And this becomes a clear distinction between those who believe and are appreciative from those who disbelieve and are unappreciative. Because those who disbelieve, the only way that they can reconcile this is that they have to be willfully ignorant to their risk of vulnerability. But those who believe realize that God, the creator of the universe, is in absolute control and they can live in peace in tranquility. One of the events, the life events, that is going to test most people is when a couple is expecting a baby. That they realize they have no say in any of this process, despite all our technology, all the uh, mastery that God has given us, that when it comes to this process, we're really at the mercy of God. And God tells us in the Quran in Surah 7 verse 189 says he created you from one person. Subsequently, he gives every man a mate to find tranquility with her. She then carries a light load that she can hardly notice. As the load gets heavier, they implore God their Lord. 
If you give us a good baby, we will be appreciative. But when he gives them a good baby, they turn his gift into an idol that rivals him. God be exalted far above any partnership. Isn't that fascinating that for those nine months when the baby is in the womb, this is kind of the unseen. We have no clue what's going on. Yeah, we do ultrasounds. Yeah, we do tests and this kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, when those cells are replicating uh, at such an astonishing rate, it's one of these things that we realize we have no control over and we're at the mercy of God and we implore God loudly to God, please give us a good, healthy child. But what's fascinating is after the delivery, it's almost like the human being forgets and says, okay, now that I can see this child, now that I can see with my own eyes its development, that I can take it from here, God. Because the process no longer seems hidden from us. Because we can see the baby, we assume that we can take control. What we fail to consider is all the complexity that is outside of our purview, that is hidden to us. The trillions of cells, each working and operating per God's design. The quintillion reactions that are taking place inside each of the trillions of cells at any given moment. If one was to stop to think about all the multitude of ways that something could go wrong, they would be paralyzed with worry. Yet again, we have a choice. We can choose to be willfully ignorant and think that we're in control. Or we can submit to God, Lord of the universe. Occasionally, God provides us with glimpses into the unseen, the inner workings of what is going on behind the scenes. And typically, when we're informed, we get a little bit of insight. We immediately think that we are the ones who need to be in control, that if they just listened to what I have to say and did what I asked, then we would be past this problem. Consider each time we turn on the news, we listen to a podcast, we read an article, and we're informed on some event that's taking place, uh, some political event, some geopolitics, war, whatever. And our immediate response upon hearing this is that we're typically outraged. We're like, how could they do this? It's so obvious. If people only did X, Y, or Z to resolve this, it would be a better place. What we forget at this moment is that God never stopped being in control. And if God allowed something to happen, that there must be a good reason for it. And rather than being objectors, we need to be submitters. We need to realize that, okay, for whatever reason, God willed this event to take place. And this doesn't mean that we're just complacent. This doesn't mean that we don't go out and try to make the world a better place. But what it means is that the outcome of whatever God willed, whatever God decreed that is going to happen, was meant for a good thing. And because we trust in God, because we know God is in absolute control, we submit to whatever God willed. Because the reality is, while we only see the sliver, this slight little revealance of what's going on behind the scenes, God sees everything. God sees every angle in ways that we cannot even imagine. In Surah 16, verse 1, it reads, God's command has already been issued and everything has already been written. So do not rush it. Be he glorified the Most High, far above any idols they set up. The human being is overconfident in their belief that they have the right answers to solve the world's woes. But consider the story of Joseph. What would have been the response from a bystander had they seen Joseph's brothers throwing him into a well, or they saw that Joseph was being uh, uh, falsely accused and thrown in prison? 
what would have been the response of the individuals? They would have intervened. They would have taken Joseph, brought him back to Jacob, reunited him with his father, and they would have been celebrating this. But what they would have failed to have saw was that these acts not only built up Joseph, but the fact that he was able to become the treasurer of Egypt because of these events, because of the lessons he learned throughout his life, these hardships, these struggles, that he was ultimately able to save his family from famine. And this was all orchestrated by God's design. But again, if you just saw that cross-section of the injustice that Joseph had to face, it would have been so tempting to want it to intervene. But it's because we lack the scope that God sees all the multitude of decisions and outcomes that's being perfectly orchestrated. And this is what it means to submit. This is what it means to submit joyfully, is that we realize despite that this sliver that we see, it might seem like injustice, it might seem uh, atrocious, but in the grand scheme of things, God has a plan. Here's a strange counterfactual. When the U.S. detonated the nuclear bomb, over Hiroshima and Nagasaki, it caused the death of some 100,000 people. But interesting enough, it's speculated that if the U.S. did not take such actions, that Japan was about to face a mass famine that would have been way more destructive to its population of 73 million people at the time, had the U.S. not provided them food and aid and assistance to get the Japanese people past this famine, but also to huge economic prosperity down the road. This was documented in an article in New York Times, uh, and it reads, Japan was probably saved and spared widespread starvation by the atomic bomb the United States dropped on Hiroshima at the end of World War II, according to leading Japanese physician. The military had driven Japan to a stage that if it could not win, it would not surrender, said Dr. Taro Takimi, the past president of the Japan Medical Association. It surely would have lost the war and many people would have starved if the atom bomb had not been dropped. When one considers the possibility that the Japanese military would have sacrificed the entire nation if it were not for the atomic bomb attack, then this bomb might be described as having saved Japan. Dr. Takimi said in reference to the Hiroshima bombing in an article in today's issue of Journal of the American Medical Association. This was published in 1996 in the New York Times. Now, this doesn't mean that the individuals who carried out the act were acting morally or just. It has nothing to do with that. Their recompense, their judgment rests with God. But what it goes to show us is that the scope of the way that we view the world is so limited, it's so trivial in comparison to the reality that God sees when he allows these events to take place, that there is a good reason for it. And if we're privileged, maybe one day God will show us a glimpse of what happens behind the scenes. We see this in the story of Moses. When Moses was being carried along by the teacher, and he saw what appeared to him to be three atrocious acts. He killed a boy. He bored a hole into a ship. He patched a wall for people who were unappreciative of a community. But God showed him that there was a good reason for each of these. And this is what it comes down to, is if we trust in God, that sometimes things are going to happen in this world that are 
that don't make sense to us, that we can't, our minds can't comprehend. But if we submit wholeheartedly, we trust in God, then we realize there's a good reason for this to take place. We need to separate the intention from the outcome. God is the one who controls the outcome. God is the one who decrees whatever happens is going to happen. There's not an atom that is outside of our Lord's control. And we have to submit to God whenever he decrees anything to happen. Just because God reveals a portion of the unseen to us, we should not get ahead of ourselves and think that from that we know better than God when the outcomes do not align with what we desire, what we wish. In Surah 17, verse 11, we read, The human being often prays for something that may hurt him, thinking that he is praying for something good. The human being is impatient. This is a tendency. We, we over-assume what we know. We become incredibly specific to what we request from God. And it's good to pray to God, but we have to realize that the outcome is in God's hands. That we might be praying for something that is might be destructive for us. Think, you want a job, you want this nice car, you want this you know, uh, spouse. And you pray for it, but God decides that's not what is best for you. And God doesn't allow you to have it. Gets you another job, provides you with a different spouse. And from that, a lot of people, they complain, they bicker. But what it goes to show at that point is that they don't trust in God. They think that they know better than God, that they should be the ones in control. What's fascinating is the next verse in Surah 17, verse 12, it says, We rendered the night and the day two signs. We made the night dark and the day lighted, that you may seek provisions from your Lord therein. This also establishes for you a timing system and a means of calculation. We thus explain everything in detail. Who would ever be so naive to ask God, Hey God, can you change the rotation of the earth? Can you change the distance from the sun to the moon to the earth? Can you change the gravitational constant? These things that are so astronomically more complicated than the decisions we have in our own lives. We give full responsibility, full acceptance that the way that God is orchestrating all this is perfect. But when it comes to these things that, again, we think we have a grasp on, we think we understand because God shows us a little sliver of what's going on behind the scenes, gives us a little glimpse of the unseen. We think in these regards, we know better. And when God doesn't deliver per our expectations, we become bitter, we become resentful. There's a story in the Bible regarding David. And David had a son who was sick. And David was fasting, he was repenting, he's wearing sackcloth, he's doing all these things, imploring God for uh, to heal his son. And when it was announced that his son passed, David washed his face and he looked totally normal. And people were baffled by this. They said, David, what happened? You know, when your son was ill, you were uh, grieving, you were uh, imploring, you're repenting. Now that your son has passed, you seem totally normal. And it was because David submitted to whatever God willed. That David knew that whatever God willed, if his son was to survive or if he was to, to, to pass, that that decision was 100% up to God. But up until that moment, because he had this opportunity to, to implore, to seek God's forgiveness, to beg for uh, you know a certain outcome, that he did his part, but he wholeheartedly submitted to whatever God willed, because God is the only one who understands what is best for us. What are these lessons that we're supposed to learn? Interesting enough, the son he had after the son that passed was Solomon. 
And who's to say that he would have had that son if the other one lived? You know, these are the things that we can't comprehend, we can't grasp. And because of this, we have a tendency of becoming objectors. We shouldn't be so cocky, so full of ourselves, because we have been informed with certain pieces of the unseen, certain uh, ways that the world orchestrates, certain events that are taking place. That despite if you're a PhD on the subject, if you studied everything there is to know about it, that still it's only a small sliver of the total picture. In Surah 17, verse 85 and 86, it reads, They ask you about the revelation. Say, the revelation comes from my Lord. The knowledge given to you is minute. If we will, we can take back what we reveal to you. Then you will find no protector against us. God is constantly giving us little pieces of information about how the world operates, how it works, events that are taking place locally and abroad. But the question is, how do we react to these when we find out? Do we become objectors? Do we complain? Do we say that, oh, you know, uh, there's injustices going on in the world and God is not doing his job? Astaghfirullah. We would never do such things. We wholeheartedly submit and we trust in God. And we have the same peace that we do knowing that God is the one who's controlling the earth, is controlling the sun, is traversing through thousands and thousands of miles through space without us even worrying about it. That just because we see some of these things, some of this knowledge is bestowed upon us, that we don't become full of ourselves and think that we know better than God. We have the example of Noah, that when God inspired Noah, that no more of his people were going to believe and to build the ark under his watchful eye. That when Noah did this and he implored his son to come join them, he knew full well that if he wasn't on that ark already, that there was no hope for him. And after his son passed, it reads, in Surah 11, verse 45, it says, Noah implored his Lord, My Lord, my son is a member of my family, and your promise is the truth. You're wisest of the wise. He, God, said, O Noah, he is not of your family. It is unrighteous to ask me for something you do not know. I enlighten you, lest you be like the ignorant. He said, My Lord, I seek refuge in you, lest I implore you again for something I do not know. Unless you forgive me and have mercy on me, I will be with the losers. To ask God to alter something that has already been decreed is to assume that we think we know better than God. God already told Noah that no more of his people were going to believe that the ones who didn't join him on this ark were destined for hell. But despite this, Noah, his love for his son, it inspired him to ask for something that ultimately he didn't know. He didn't trust in God at that moment and God corrected him. But this is no different than any of us. Things happen in our life that obviously, from our perspective, it seems like an injustice. It seems like, you know, we've been wrong and we demand God to fix the situation. But the second we do that is we're assuming that for whatever reason, God forgot or he lost control or he wasn't taken into account when he allowed this thing to pass. And that's never the case. When you think about this rationally, you say, God, Lord of the universe, who's controlling every single atom, who's orchestrated everything so perfectly, he didn't forget. He allowed this to happen for a good reason. And that's where submission comes in. Do you trust in God? Do you wholeheartedly submit? Do you uh, trust that when God allowed something to transpire, no matter how it looks in our eyes, that there's a good reason for it? In the Bible, in the story of Job, we see that God allowed Satan to inflict Job 
with ailments. He lost his uh, uh, business. He lost his home. He lost his children and his health. And at the onset, Job was imploring God to please eliminate his existence from this world. And after chapter 3, from verse uh, chapter 4 through 37, it's a dialogue between Job and his friends. And they're trying to argue with Job that he must have done something wrong, that he's clearly suffering uh, uh, consequences for something he did. And Job is wrestling with this idea, saying that he's blameless. He didn't do anything wrong. And it's not until chapter 38 that God speaks and explains to them what took place. And the answer that is given almost seems like it doesn't make sense until you reflect on what it is that God is saying. It reads in the book of Job in chapter 38, it says, Then the Lord answered Job from with a whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens the divine plan by words without knowledge? Now tighten the belt on your waist like a man. And I shall ask you, and you inform me, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding. Who set its measurements, since you know? Or who stretched the measuring line over it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? God is pointing out to Job and his friends that, look, you had no say in any of this. In the creation of the earth, the universe, the, the, the physical laws that took into place, and it's all done perfectly. And God continues explaining about how the animals, how they procreate, how they live, and gives these examples that these are things that Job and his friends cannot even comprehend, cannot even grasp. For them to try to understand the mind of God and why these things happen is a fool's errand. And this is where submission comes in. Because if you trust in God wholeheartedly, you know that God is just. God is most gracious, most merciful. That he would never allow an atom's weight of injustice to take place. That there's a good reason for everything. That in the day of judgment, on the day of resurrection, those who did commit horrendous acts will pay for it if they, don't, if they didn't pay for it already in this life. God tells us about the day of resurrection when Jesus is resurrected. And in Surah 5, verse 116, we read, God will say, O Jesus, son of Mary, did you say to the people, make me and your mother idols beside God? He will say, be you glorified. I could not utter what was not right. Had I said it, you already would have known it. You know my thoughts, and I do not know your thoughts. You know all the secrets. It's that response right there, that you know my thoughts, and I do not know your thoughts. You know all the secrets. That if we truly know God, if we believe in God, then we trust in God's judgment. That He is able to see every angle. He's able to see the past, the present, the future. And that He's dictated everything in absolute perfect precision. In Surah 10, verse 61 through 64, we read, You do not get into any situation nor do you recite any Quran, nor do you do anything without us being witnesses thereof as you do it. Not even an atom's weight is out of your Lord's control, be it in the heavens or the earth, nor is there anything smaller than an atom or larger that is not recorded in a profound record. Absolutely, God's allies have nothing to fear, nor will they grieve. They are those who believe and lead a righteous life. For them, joy and happiness in this world as well as the hereafter this is God's unchangeable law. Such is the greatest triumph.
God is informing us that there is nothing smaller or larger than an atom that is not outside of our Lord's control. That if we trust in God wholeheartedly, that we're not being willfully blind, but we know that God, Lord of the universe, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who's dictating everything, is in full control, then we have nothing to fear, nor will we grieve. We won't have any anxiety, we won't have any depression, we won't have any concerns, because God is on the throne and everything He dictates is perfect. God willing, we're going to end there. If you got comments or questions, please hit us up at QuranTalk at gmail.com. If you want to follow along the verses of the Quran, please download the Quran Study app on the iOS App Store or go to the website, QuranStudyApp.com. And if you like the podcast, please leave us a review and share it with other people. And until next time, peace and God bless.